Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. About the same. That time it was about the same. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it's it's about close. the same that time. It's pretty close. Uh, we are, if you live in Huntington, West Virginia, and you want to see a concert, you're gonna come to Cincinnati. <laughs> it's kind of like a home away from home mm-hmm. if you had concerts at your home. That's true, that's true. If you had asked me when I was like a teenager, what do you know about Cincinnati? I would have said Bogarts. Bogarts? <laughs> so I saw a bunch of shows. Jimmy Buffett plays at Riverbend every year. Jimmy Buffett? It's where I, it's where I, uh, I, I facilitated Sydney's dad meeting Jimmy Buffett and basically becoming the greatest son-in-law ever in the history of all time. That's true. No big deal. It's the Queen City. I don't need to tell you that. And you didn't even mention the Smurf ice cream at King's Island. Smurf ice cream at King's Island. Heard they're getting some facelifts on Main Street, putting a little funding into that, bringing the antique cars back. Love it. Bring back Tomb Raider and we'll talk. Anyway. Anyway. Started talking about what do we want to do a show on in Cincinnati. Justin's first suggestion was, well, chili. <laughs> and, I, and inexplicably, we've done a show on chili before. That's the kind of podcast this is. We've already done chili. In our medical history podcast. I suggested a lot of whack things that were only tangentially related to Cincinnati. Yes. And so I just started looking into the history of Cincinnati, and I found a nickname that the city used to have uh, that maybe has, like, gone away through the years because I think people weren't a big fan or of it. Or maybe it's hot as ever and it's back. We have no idea, so we're not know. locals. But apparently your fine city used to be known as Porkopolis. <laughs> So Sydney hears that, and she decides to do an episode on? Trichinella. (laughs) Okay. I mean, when you think of pigs, of course you think of eating raw pigs and how that could make you sick, right? That's what everybody thinks about, just catching old Wilbur and getting a big bite. Now, let me preface with, before I start talking about worms in your food, that this is incredibly rare, 
and almost never happens in the U.S. anymore. So this is not something to worry about, unless you're a big fan of consistently eating raw pig and other wild game, then you might. <laughs> but otherwise, don't worry about it. But it used to be a bigger problem, and so I thought we could talk a little bit about trichinellosis. And for everybody who's like, I know I shouldn't eat raw pork, but I don't know why, this is why. <laughs> uh, so, as we already alluded to, uh, Cincinnati used to be the biggest pork producing city in the world in the 1800s. And meat was packed and shipped down the Ohio River and uh, it, the city obviously was called Porkopolis because of that. And that is why one of uh, your fine local delicacies uh, that used to be called strip groots <laughs> or dunking grits but now you call Geta? <laughs> That's sort of the connection there. I think Geta is a way better name, by the way, than Dunking Grits. I'm on the fence, honestly. <laughs> Both extremely good. I wouldn't eat Dunking Grits, but Geta's good, so I'll eat that. Sydney told me that Cincinnati is like the number one producer of Geta, and I was like, no, oh, nice. She's like, they're also the number one consumer of it. I was like, that's beautiful. I love that. The self-contained ecosystem of Geta. I'm into it. It is, it's good. And I, I like, I like pork. I like sausage. I'm, I I'm like not, oats. This is not I me. like spices. What do we got? <laughs> we got Geta, Justin. Uh, so you, you, you're probably aware that pork has been, has had certain religious prohibitions throughout history as to who should consume it and who shouldn't. And there are lots of reasons for that, but one thought throughout ancient history is that it may be also due to the, the fact that people would observe someone eating pork back before we had proper cooking techniques and preservation techniques, and then they might get really sick. And so that would be a really good reason to say like, don't, don't, eat, don't eat pig, that's a bad idea. There are lots of other reasons, but that's, that's one, one possibility. Um, the reason is trichinella. Now, trichinella is a, is a kind of worm. It's a kind of round worm. And it's actually a genus of multiple different <laughs> round worms, different species. The way your that, eyes light up. You, you, you used to look at me that way. The way your eyes, whenever you get to talk about worms. I love worms. I love parasites. Uh, <laughs> fine it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine they're just trying to it's fine. like live their little lives and they happen to cause some damage in there while they're doing it they don't mean to <laughs> it's just you know anyway so <laughs> there there are seven different species that can cause problems for humans there's one in particular, Trichinella spiralis, which causes most disease in humans, but there are, there's a variety of roundworms that can cause problems. And we always associate them with pigs. Like we always say, don't eat you know, raw pork or undercooked pork because you'll get a worm of some sort. But there's actually a variety of animals that could cause this problem. So pigs kind of get like a, an unfair shake here because uh, some more recent cases have been because of horses, Eating our horses. Bears. Eating raw bears. <laughs> Moose or wild boar. Imagine getting sick and your doctor's like, have you done anything totally buck wild lately? <laughs> I did eat a raw bear. 
Is that frowned on in the medical community? I'm, I'm not up to date on the literature. I know, I know that this has always been an easy thing for me because I've always been a fan of meat that maybe is more cooked than everybody else likes it. Like, I like, I like my meat done. Sorry. Uh, but generally speaking, if you're not sure how long you should cook meat, just keep cooking it. <laughs> just don't, don't is that bear? Is that bear done? I don't know. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep going. Just I'm not be, taking really, be really sure. I'm not taking chances. So uh, what happens is the larvae of the worm are in the, they're actually in the muscle, so they're in the meat that you're eating, and they're in, they're in these little cysts, and because the meat wasn't cooked thoroughly, they're still viable in there. So they're just these little cysts in your meat, and you're eating them, and once they get into your stomach, some of the chemicals in there, the pepsin and the acid, the gastric acid, can start uh, helping these cysts open up and blossom into... <laughs> Little baby worms <laughs> that then can, you know, burrow into the walls of your small intestine where they grow into adult worms. <laughs> good. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. Uh, they're just, ooh, 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 ooh. Good. They're, yes. They're just like a couple millimeters big. I Not mean, even that big of a worm. No. Welcome like, aboard, friend. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Sprout. These little like fella? Those, those massive tapeworms or anything. They're just little worms. Just a little head. worm for fun for the weekend. A weekend worm. For kids. <laughs> so they, they grow and they grow over the course of four weeks, and then they can start releasing their own larvae. Oh, that's nice. Into your body. God, they grow up and so fast, don't they? And those little larvae can migrate. Sunrise, sunset. <laughs> can migrate all over the place uh, and mainly into your muscles. That's the sad part. You want them to stay at home. <laughs> I'm just going to go wherever they're going to go. It'd be better if they just stayed in your GI tract. because then they That's would what I tell them. Naturally exit at some point. You kids don't know what it's like out there. Stay in the GI tract with Papa. But they... <laughs> your, your Papa will protect you. But they don't. You're going to go to the kidneys? Mm -mm. Actually, Tough they, characters over there. They don't typically go to the kidneys. It was a joke. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> How could you embarrass me in front of Cincinnati? They, they mainly like to just go to like your skeletal muscles. So they'll just be in like your arms or your legs or just Better. in your big muscles. In my big muscles. Your, in your big muscles. <laughs> in your Popeye muscles. I'm in trouble. <laughs> If they love, oh no, these worms love big muscles. Darn it. Hoisted by my own petard. So if you only get a few larvae that travel around to your muscles, and by a few, I mean less than 10 per gram of muscle would be a few, which still seems like a lot. You might not ever know that anything has happened to you. You may just... Have these just have some worms. Yeah, just have these insisted larvae in your own muscle. They just get there, and uh, some species make cysts, some don't. The ones you probably would get do, and they just kind of insist and chill in your muscle for a long time. Um, if you do get a larger uh, infection, then you will have some symptoms. The first stage is when they're in your stomach, when they're in the intestinal stage, and then you're going to get like what you think of as 
general, um, like I have a parasite symptoms, my stomach hurts and I'm nauseous and I'm vomiting and I have lots of diarrhea. Lots of diarrhea is an interesting. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those situations where some diarrhea is lots of diarrhea, you know? I've got diarrhea, but it's a manageable amount. As a, as a, as a member of the McElroy family, I have found that that's a, that's a relative term. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Uh, once they get to your muscles, they hurt. Uh, if you get enough of them in there, just a few, you won't notice it. If you get enough in your muscles, then they can start causing pain and weakness and tenderness. And I mean, if you get a lot in there, you can be bedridden because of the pain of all the little cysts in your, in your muscles. You can get fevers. There are some rare cases where people get really sick. It has been fatal throughout history, but it's not commonly that serious. But it can infect things like your heart muscle. And obviously that's a, that's a big deal. It can inflame your central nervous system. So in rare cases, it's been deadly. But most of the time, that doesn't happen. Most of the time, these little cysts migrate to your muscles. It might hurt a lot at first. But then after they insist, they start to calcify over time and they die. And then they're just there. Mm. And that's, that's just it. There. That's it. End that's of story. It. And we have found them, we know that they have existed with humans for a very long, long time because we found these little cysts, these little calcified cysts in a 3,200-year-old mummy that we dug up and we looked through the muscles and found all these little, these little white things that were opened up and found to be trichinella cysts. So at some point, this Egyptian dude ate some raw meat of some sort and got trichinella. Probably bear. It would have been, he probably either would have been a member of the upper class or somehow associated with the upper class because otherwise he wouldn't have had access to meat. That's the only thing I know. They named him. Uh, Worm man. Nakat. Nakat <laughs> ate meat. And they don't know why because they think he doesn't look like the upper class, but he did get some meat because we have all these cysts in his mouth. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. He was on that grind. Yeah, go get your meat. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box, pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. 
Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So there's a, uh, there are records throughout history of diseases that kind of sound like they were probably trichinella, even if we didn't know that. Nobody wrote like, oh, we found worms in their muscles because nobody looked for them. But if you go back to like 404 BCE, you find this rect- record of a disease with severe dysentery and there was a pain all over the body and it was like in certain parts of, of Sicily and it, it sounds a lot like it was probably trichinella. So modern day scholars have thought, well, maybe this was a big outbreak of trichinella. You find other times where uh, there was something called the English sweat or the sudor anglicus. Uh, that was my wrestling name. <laughs> and you find instances of this all throughout the 15th and 16th century. And the thought is that these might be outbreaks of trichinella. So somebody got like some sort of they brought down some wild game or something and like shared it with a big part of their village and everybody ate this meat and then everybody got sick. And so you'd see these like isolated outbreaks where a bunch of people got sick, probably from sharing a a big infected animal. And then it would go away. And they, they often called it things related to sweating because you'd be in a lot of, you'd get the fevers and the stomach pain and you'd sweat a lot. And then you'd get all this muscle pain and you'd sweat even more. And so the sweating fever, the sweating plague. Sometimes it was called things like dandy fever. I don't know why. Febris diarrhea, because you got diarrhea and a fever. So all these different names throughout history, especially in Germany, there were a lot of cases that that happened in Germany. They had a lot of problems with parasites. And so you you saw a lot of these Suter Anglicus cases. Of course, they blame the English. <laughs> the Germans were like, it's, it's, the, it's the English. They sent the sweating sickness down to us. Um, and again, it's all the same thing where you get descriptions of an illness that probably is trichinella, but you, you know, we don't know for sure. We think so. We didn't figure out the worm that was responsible until the 1800s. And there was like the nicest, most like collegiate little battle over who first discovered it. 
It's like a very polite <laughs> um, controversy. And it's really not between the two original guys. It's like scientists throughout history who write about it. So It's almost like they weren't eager to be known forever as Dr. Pigworm. I really think it's like, well, we found this gross worm. It's so gross. Don't tell my kids. My buddy found it. Uh, on February 2nd, 1835, James Paget, was a, he was a medical student, and he was practicing at St. Bartholomew's in, in London, and he was dissecting the cadaver of this guy who had died of tuberculosis, but he found in his muscles all of these little white calcified cystic structures, and he thought this was very odd. He didn't know what they were. So he called them animacules at first. He thought they were, they were these tiny little animals that had infested, which Sort Accurate. Sort of, sort of. And so Not he, sort of. They're worms. They're animals. Tiny animals. Yes, yes. So he was, he was sort of right. And so he started Not opening sorta. his little cysts. Stop it. Well, <laughs> he did it with no, no knowledge whatsoever. Called shot. It was very impressive. He had to go, like, borrow a microscope because he didn't have, like, a good one. <laughs> he had to go <laughs> around, like, the department, like, does anyone have a microscope? <laughs> I don't know what these are, and I need something. My microscope sucks. <laughs> Does anybody have a good one? But I'm pretty sure there's little animals in here. <laughs> so he went around until he found a good microscope, and he started opening up these cysts, and he saw that these were these little larvae. These were these little worms. And after he kind of made this discovery, he got the help of his anatomy professor, Richard Owen. And he got him to come take a look at him, and he actually helped him with, like, figuring out exactly what, what part was what, and what are we looking at, and getting, like, a better dissection of the cyst and all this kind of stuff. And so when it all came to present it, and Paget wrote this up, by the way, which if you're in the scientific field, you know that, that, that that's, like, a big deal. He made this discovery, and he wrote a whole, like, paper on it to be published, to send in, to say, like, hey, I found a new worm that nobody knows about, and it might be responsible for some sort of illness, and we can figure this out. But he never sent it anywhere. You can, you can still read it. It's, like, in the historical record. But he never sent it anywhere. He never published it because he said, you know what? Owen is, like, he's a better-known guy. He has a lot more respect in the community. So I'm just going to let my anatomy professor present the whole thing. So Owen presented the findings at the uh, Zoological Society of London later that year. He called it the flesh worm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Which is just the worst name. It's a terrible name. Just the worst. Um, so he presented his Owen's flesh worm. <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, the Zoological Society, I guess, was just crazy about it. And he yeah, <laughs> sounds like they wanted to say Owen's fleshworm a whole lot because <laughs> they nasty. And so he published the findings, and he did. He mentioned that Paget also found it, but he like really minimized his part. Like I think one of my med students may have been there. I don't know med students, whatever. I think he was hanging around. So he really minimized it. And so throughout history, now when it when you talk about, like, who discovered trichinella, who found this worm. You know how you talk about that sometimes? You know how when you're at a dinner party and somebody's like, let's talk about Owen's flesh worm. <laughs> and then there would be somebody else who'd be like, listen, Paget found that worm. And Owen stole the credit and minimized his contributions. And I guess there's been this battle since then. Now, for, as far as Paget and Owen were concerned, 
I don't think they really cared because Paget was always like, yeah, I love my mentor. Owen was great. I was really happy that he helped me out and never said a bad word about him. So I don't think he cared. But now you know the story. So the next time somebody gives Owen all the credit. In the conversation you have with them. (laughs) In your life, I mean. You can say not so fast. So once they had figured out. Slow down. (laughs) I want this conversation to last as long as humanly possible. I got to tell you about Paget. He just didn't have a good microscope, if he had just had a decent microscope. So after that, over the next couple decades, a lot of scientists got involved and started looking for these cysts and other cadavers, and then eventually in animals to try to figure out where, because a lot of these things like parasites were getting from some sort of creature, something we're eating, something we're coming in contact with. And so they started looking at animals. A lot of these, again, were done in Germany, a lot of the early experiments, because this was a big problem. This was infecting a lot of people. They were having a lot of outbreaks. So they were doing a lot of the early experiments to figure out what could get it. Um, Eventually, Virchow and Zinker were the two big scientists doing all these studies and like feeding muscle to different animals to try to see, like, would they get infected if I do this, and that kind of thing. Eventually, Zinker figured out that pigs were a major source of this, and that's where the connection came with pork. And once Germany, the authorities, got wind that, like, hey, we figured out that there's this worm that humans can get, and we're getting it from pigs, this actually created a lot of friction with the United States, because at the time, Germany was importing a ton of pork from the United States. And so by default, a lot of the infected pigs were coming from the US. Cause I mean, nobody knew about the worm. It wasn't like intentional, nobody knew it was in there. And so this led to what was known as the German American pork wars. <laughs> Maybe not one of the most important wars that ever involved Germany, but. <laughs> But I don't know, this is Porkopolis, so. Maybe the, but those, those wounds still run deep. So at the time, Germany imposed these strict bans on importing any American pork. And because they did it, other European countries started following suit and saying like, oh, well, we're not gonna get pigs from America either. And Americans were all mad about it and saying like, it's not just, I mean, like, we're just all learning about this. It's not just our pigs. Like we can all do better screening meat. and. Anyway, there was this big, like, we're not going to take your pork. Well, I don't know. We're, we're not going to take Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> They're already in the boat. <laughs> and, and what eventually had to happen is we had to find a way where we could, like, screen pigs and, like, look for it and see if pigs were infected. And uh, they were able to do that in the most, I like this because it's the most, like, simplistic way possible. We need to figure out if pigs are infected. What can we do? Take a piece of pig muscle and put it between two slides. Just smash it and look under a microscope. And that is, the, that's trichinoscopy <laughs> is what developed. And this was a whole scientific, like, you just look under a microscope and look for cysts and say, like, no, nope, pig is good or no, nope, that pig is good bad. pig. Don't Some eat that pig. one. Which, and when was this? Do you think that, that could have saved Wilbur? If he had had trichinosis? I mean, nobody would have eaten him. You're thinking that maybe Charlotte should have talked to a worm. If Charlotte had just written trichinella. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. But that dumb farmer was shady. He probably would have been like, oh, well. He'd tear it down like nobody saw this web. <laughs> Come on, I- sick little piggy. 
just a, a little thing that I have learned. If you're, if you're a fellow parent or, or caregiver or raising a child and you think, I'm going to show them Charlotte's Web because that was a pleasant film I remember from my youth. Just be, I mean, I, everybody remembers about Charlotte. I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> everybody knows that's coming. But in the beginning, there is a moment where that farmer is totally about to kill baby Wilbur, and it's very intense. <laughs> Just warn your, like, be prepared. Just, I was not. Charlie was scarred by that. <laughs> what is he doing? Why? I don't know, honey. <laughs> I didn't condone it. I rushed upstairs when I heard her showing that, like, no, how could you? So... Eventually, in addition to being... It was a war, they called it, though. I just want to clarify. I thought maybe that might have predated the wars, all of them. And they were like, you know what, guys? This is a war. (laughs) And then everyone else is like, it's wicked not. You just wouldn't take the pigs. And then you did after you did some science. That's (laughs) not a war. You know, in science, sometimes the stakes aren't high day to day, like, <laughs> and we just like to feel the drama. Minor skirmish, the, the German-American pork skirmish. <laughs> German-American pork police action. So they, so they figured out how to screen the pigs, and then we figured out also that if you cook the meat enough, then it's, it's not a problem. And that, that was a big breakthrough, which is why you can, you know, any, I do this every time I'm cooking any meat. I have to, like, ask Alexa, like, what's the temperature that I'm <laughs> supposed to cook pork to? So, and that's where all that comes from is because if we cook meat enough, then we don't have to worry about things like trichinella being in the meat. But screening was still part of it. And after that, obviously, we could start, I don't know, sending pigs all over the world once again. <laughs> what a relief. Um, it has become much less of a problem. Trichinella, like I prefaced with, is very uncommon these days in the vast majority of the world. There are still places that have had more outbreaks, still still like not a lot in the grand scheme of things. But in particular, Romania has had a lot of trouble with controlling like sporadic outbreaks of Trichinella through the years. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but one that I, I found really interesting, and because we do a show about things that I don't know, I think are interesting, and I hope you do, uh, is a certain festival that is celebrated in Romania, which is like, it's like Pig Slaughter Day. <laughs> which, um, <laughs> it's kind of a cool holiday. It's also the feast day of St. Ignatius. And on December 20th every year, they like, they, they like bring pigs out and kill them. Like in, like in you probably guessed that from the name. In front of everybody. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that this is necessarily something I want to attend in my life, but you might. Uh, but one of the things that they do, and you can, this can apply to any time when you're freshly killing a pig to share with your family, friends, neighbors. Uh, but specifically at this festival, one of the things they do is as they're um, butchering the pig, they cut off pieces and cook them right away and hand them out to you Fun. to eat as you are observing the rest of the process. This is so rough. Boy, that's rough, huh? It's so To just rough. enjoy, like, as they are, you're already kind of moving on to while you watch them. Hmm. And there's a specific, like, like, plum brandy that you drink with it, and they give you these first pieces, and they call it pig's alms. 
and this is a very important festival, but the, this has, they think, been the source of some outbreaks of trichinella, unfortunately. Um, again, more recently, especially in the U.S., pigs are not often responsible. They can be, but there have been like cases where um, specifically <laughs> there was a big outbreak in California a few years ago, and it was because somebody killed a bear, and then... Okay. At the dinner party that ensued, people were partaking of raw and undercooked bear? Is this a thing? I... How did you let me say all that wax stuff early? <laughs> you let me say all that wax stuff, and then it, like you swoop in 20 minutes later, and you're like, oh, actually, there are raw bear eating parties in California. That's how they do it over there. Well, I was saving it for the I end. I love it. So, so there have been some cases because of that, and like, like specifically like game meat, like wild boar and stuff like that. Um, but again, it is largely not a concern in the U.S. There are treatments. Uh, the sooner the better. Um, the fewer cysts you have all over, the easier it is to treat. <laughs> but we've got medicine that can treat it now. So even if you are unfortunate enough to be one of the, I mean, handful of cases that we see a year in the U.S., you can still be okay. You heard it here first, folks. Chow down. No, don't. Don't cook your don't pig. You're wasting. Pork. You're wasting time, says Dr. Sidney Smurl McElroy. No, if as a general rule, Pointless. If, you, if you're about to eat an animal and you think, is this an animal that needs to be cooked? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks, thank you so much for coming out to our show. <laughs> Uh, we have a book. It's called The Sawbones Book, and we wrote it, and Taylor illustrated it. You can buy it at bookstores. Um, uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, this is your first time, uh, please subscribe to it on iTunes. Uh, thank you, to, or wherever. I am. Yeah, it doesn't have to be fine. iTunes. Thanks to taxpayers for the use of our song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thank you to uh, those delightful McElroy brothers for letting us open for them. What an honor. Uh, thank you to Paul. Thank you to the Taft. Thank you to, most of all, of course, you for coming to watch us. And uh, we will be with you again next week. So until then, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, Me, and now nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on